Hey, hey, that's right. In the house with Ken and Jared, your home improvement questions are answered. Hi, my name is Jared Mellick. Sometimes sitting next to me is my father, Ken, but I'm uh, riding solo today, so I'm here to answer your home improvement questions. I own a business called Universal Roof and Contracting. Uh, we are roofing and building contractors. Uh, throughout the week, we help people with their roofing and siding needs. But every weekend, I come in and answer your home improvement questions. Now, what types of questions can you call in with? Really, anything having to do with home improvement. If you have a leaky faucet, you want to know how to stop it, uh, Perhaps you're thinking about doing a remodel or an addition and you want to know what type pays off. Uh, maybe you're thinking about uh, removing the wall that separates your family room from your uh, from your kitchen and you want to know how to find out if it's load-bearing. Uh, really anything having to do with home improvement. Uh, numbers to dial is 340-1045. Again, 340-1045. If you're a little bit shy and you don't want to uh, hear the sound of your voice on the radio, you can email me a question as well. Uh, just do that, questions at universalroofjacks.com. Again, you just type in questions at universalroofjacks.com. That will go straight to my smartphone, and then uh, I will read and answer that question live on the air. We've got a lot of stuff on our talk agenda to get to as well. I've got some email questions uh, from uh, last week or the week before that I didn't get to, and uh, so we've got to get to those. But the best part of this show is really you, our great listener. Uh, we really do have the best listeners here at uh, News 104.5 WOKV, and so uh, if you have a home improvement question, uh, I'd love to answer it uh, for you. And the number to dial again, 340-1045. All right, I'm going to go straight to an email question. Um, it's a pretty interesting one, and I and I like the discussion anyway. So uh, this comes to us from Fran, and uh, she writes, uh, It is starting to get warm again, and I'm reminded by how expensive my electric bill was last summer. A friend of mine had said I should have my home re-insulated. Would that help? Uh, possibly. Um, it, it really depends on the amount of insulation that you currently have and the type of insulation. Um, uh, it is something that uh, that people naturally look at or look at first, I would say, is the insulation. But there's really a number of things that are going to affect um, how high your energy bills are. Um, insulation, obviously, uh, is one of those. Now, uh, typical insulation, well, let's talk about attic insulation just because I, I have a feeling that's what you're uh, asking about more than more than anything. But uh, insulation goes everywhere. There's uh, insulation in the exterior walls. Um, there's um, and there's insulation in the in the attic. Most of the time, we're going to discuss uh, attic insulation as uh, some sort of modification to it. Um, the most common uh, is probably blown-in uh, style uh, fiberglass insulation. That's the most common that we see today. Uh, adding some is good if you uh, currently don't have enough. Um, but I also find that uh, many times energy loss actually comes uh, in the windows on the exterior of the home. If you have an uh, inexpensive uh, single-pane window, obviously that's a hole in the side of the wall, so that's an area where, uh, where energy can certainly escape. Uh, ventilation, which is what allows the hot air out of the attic space, that works in conjunction with insulation. And, um, uh, and so you can actually have less insulation and a good ventilation system, and it's more effective than just a bunch of insulation. 
Uh, there's a, um, a thing about insulation that uh, it has a, a diminishing return. So, for example, um, uh, R19 uh, insulation is about 86, 86 or 88, uh, I believe, is what the percentage is. I'll look it up here in a second just to, um, just to give you an exact percent, but uh, is about per, uh, 86 to 88 uh, percent effective about reducing energy or reducing heat from transferring from one area to the other, R19 insulation. If you increased your insulation, let's say, by double, let's say you went from R19 insulation to R38 insulation, that means you have twice as much insulation. So the average person would think that they would, in doubling the insulation, that it would be twice as effective at reducing heat transfer. But the truth is, is that's not the case. It goes from about 86 to 88 to 90 to 92 percent effective. And maybe it's 96, but uh, it, it might go from 86 to 96. But it's it's small amounts. It's not like it's double. And so there's going to be diminishing return uh, when it comes to insulation. Just because you do twice as much doesn't mean that it's twice as effective. The other thing that we find is that um, people focus on insulation, but then you have the duct work for your air conditioning that, that in most houses here in the Jacksonville area, the duct work runs through the attic. Well, if the attic is 140 degrees, the insulation around that duct work is typically in only an R4, sometimes an R6, maybe an R8 uh, worth of uh, insulation around the duct work. So you have great insulation at your attic, but not a whole lot of insulation around your duct work. So what's happening is, is as that air is moving through that duct, it's actually being heated by the hot air in the attic. So you would actually do better by, instead of adding additional attic insulation, you'd actually do better by increasing your ventilation system to allow more hot air out of the attic, or you would do better by uh, uh, adding additional insulation around uh, around the ductwork because then it reduces heat transfer into the ductwork which reduces the ad the temperature of the um, uh, of the air that's running through the ductwork uh, so so those are things to, to look about uh, when it comes to energy uh, energy savings or, or insulation now I'm not saying that I'm against adding uh, additional attic insulation because I do think that it's a uh, it's a it's a good option and many times uh, it's something that you should look at. Uh, but many times there are other things that you should look at as well. So uh, thank you for that uh, uh, email question. I do appreciate it. Again, if you want to uh, email us a question, do that through our website, universalroofjacks.com. You can just uh, send an email, questions at universalroofjacks.com. All right, let's, uh, let's see. Let's go to Kristen. Uh, Kristen, you're in the house. How can I help you this morning? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks. Good. Um, I have a quick question for you. I have, um, I live in a home in a fairly small neighborhood where the neighbors are kind of close, mm -hmm. and my home has vinyl siding, and I'm finding that um, I'm hearing literally like everything that my neighbors are doing outside, yeah. like when they crank up their car in the morning, um, it jolts me out of bed, and I can hear even when people just have quiet conversations. Is there anything I can do as far as replacing maybe you know, the insulation in the wall or the siding to something that's a little bit more um, sound, sound yeah, I mean, there's or... Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's definitely things that you can do. The problem is, is that none of those things are like cheap, easy, 
solutions um, that look okay. And what I mean by that is like, for example, if you removed all your vinyl siding and added uh, additional uh, insulation that has soundproofing qualities in the uh, exterior walls and then went with solid sheathing and then hardy board, which is a cement fiber siding, like you would find a crazy reduction in the amount of uh, sound transfer from the outside to the inside. Like Mm -hmm. you would... It would make us, and, and also it even, and if you replace the windows at the same time, it would be even better. So if you did all of those things, you would be inside your house and you'd be like, oh my gosh, it is so silent and so quiet in here. I love it. But mm-hmm. the problem is, is that that is not a, that's not a inexpensive solution. You're talking about re-insulating, you're talking about solid sheathing, and you're talking about hardy board, and you're talking about windows. So. Mm-hmm. So all doing all of those things would would be crazy expensive. Now, if you okay. need to do those things anyways, then you use tr- products that are that are more soundproofing. Um, but as a quick solution or an inexpensive solution, um, I have seen people in areas where they. Um, where there is a lot of sound, let's say near the garage, or if there's one specific neighbor, or there's one specific room, there mm-hmm. is, um, you can do what they do in uh, sound studios, which is that uh, they there's actually soundproofing boards that you can apply to the walls. Uh, they're not very decorative, they're not very pretty, uh, but, uh, but you could do soundproofing material along the interior walls as a inexpensive solution. Okay. Okay, um, like how much is is siding if I were to, my home is kind of old, so it's something that I, you know, could consider possibly doing anyway, um, but is that going to be like in the 20,000s or, you know, I have no yeah, idea. I mean- yeah, I mean, it depends on obviously the size of the home and what you go back with. We we do siding, so if you want, we always give free estimates. If you wanted to call the office, we could come by and, and give you one. But okay. yeah, if you're replacing the siding anyways, then there are some some great things that we can do to to add soundproofing at the same time. So, for example, there's a um, there's a, 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 a soundproofing insulation uh, that um, actually at the um, uh, International Builders Show last year I was there and uh, they had um, the 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 convention center was crazy loud and they had created this soundproof booth just by using this soundproofing insulation so that can be added let's say to the exterior walls at the same time as doing it and doing siding and then it's not very much to add it at the same time so okay. if you need siding then there's all kinds of stuff that we can do to reduce sound at the same time. If you don't need siding, then it would be, you know, fairly expensive for that to be the only reason why you're doing the siding. But okay. I, my, me personally, I'm not a big fan of vinyl siding. I, I'm just, I'm just not. Um, I like the hardy uh, cement fiber siding way better. So if it were my mm-hmm. house, I'd be replacing the siding anyways. So. Right, that's kind of where I was headed with that. And um, do you guys offer? Y'all offer different styles of siding. I'm, I'm imagining. Yeah, we all different types. And actually, one of the things that we do is we actually have designers on staff. And so what we do is we do a three dimensional uh, drawing of the uh, of your home and mm-hmm. give you different design options on what the siding would look like, so you can actually see it even before it's installed. So. Perfect. Um, yeah, we're actually the only one, uh, people in Jacksonville that do that. But uh, and we're a Hardy certified installer as well. Uh, but we do all different types of siding. But uh, 
for the for soundproofing, for durability, and for the look, uh, Hardy Board is by far the best type of siding. Okay, perfect. That's great. Thank you so much for your help. I appreciate it. Thank you. And if you end up wanting to call the office, uh, our office um, uh, uh, our office phone number is six four seven thirty nine zero seven. Great. Okay. I will give you guys a call soon. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks. 647-3907 is that number. All right. If you want to call here with your home improvement questions, the number to dial 340-1045. Again, 340-1045. Or you can email us a question, questions at universalroofjacks.com. When we come back, uh, Brian has a question about leveling and concrete foundation. Russell has a question about wind mitigations. Interesting question. And uh, more, a line open for you, 340-1045. All right, you're in the house. Be right back. Hey, hey, welcome back. In the house with Ken and Jared, your home improvement questions are answered. Just give us a call, 340-1045. Again, 340-1045. You know, one of the things in talking to the to the previous caller, and she was talking about uh, soundproofing, and when you're doing projects around the house and uh it's it's something that like for example uh, uh replacing the siding it's a good thing to think about sound soundproofing at the same time if you're doing uh windows not a bad idea to look at new window trim or new window treatments at the same time grouping projects together that go with one another make perfect sense um and so for example let's say you're replacing some drywall on the on the inside of your uh inside of your home looking at do you want to add uh, additional recess cans or recess lighting at the same time uh, because the best time to do um, uh, electrical work is when the drywall is off. Uh, and so grouping projects together is something that I want you, I want you to think about. If you're thinking about doing a project around your house, think, in a, think two, three, four steps ahead so that that way you don't uh, do a project and then uh, a year later be like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have added insulation at the same time while I had that drywall off, or I wish I would have uh, changed where my light receptacle is at the same time. So I want you to group projects together and have forethought in planning when doing those home improvement projects. Number to dial 340-1045 with your home improvement questions. My name is Jared Malik. I'm host here of In the House. Also own a business called Universal Roof and Contracting. So I'd love to talk to you about your home improvement projects. If you want to call our office, um, uh, with any, uh, if you're thinking about replacing your roof or siding uh, or windows, uh, contact us at the office, 647-3907. All right, let's go to Brian. Brian, you're in the house. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. Thanks, Jared. Really like the show. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, my girlfriend bought a house a couple of years ago, and it has a um, uh, concrete foundation, foundation patio off the back of the house. It's about 18 feet wide, and it extends about 14 feet out from the house, and it's uh, bordered by two walls of the exterior house, and then it has a, a brick knee wall that goes uh, around the other two with some solid windows. Mm-hmm. Um, the span of the 18-foot run, um, the concrete has a slope. From one end to the other, it's probably about a 4-inch difference, and okay. it's hard to tell if some of it has sagged over the years, um, but she wants to be able to make it a functional room and want to see what's the best way of going about leveling that, that section there. Um, sure. Would we have to break up the concrete and pour a whole new foundation, or... Is there a way to um, integrate 
you know, pouring concrete over that just to level it out. Yeah, so you can pour concrete over concrete, but it's 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 they add uh, there's an additive that is added to the concrete to give it strength. Uh, uh, so what happens is on the four inch side you'd probably be okay, um, you know, uh, because it's thick enough where it's going to hold together. But when it gets to the shallow side, what happens is is that there's not enough concrete to actually hold together, and when you put concrete on t- on concrete, it's naturally going to crack. But when you're laying it over the top, um, first of all, you need to etch the existing concrete. So a lot of times they'll do it with a uh, with a muriatic acid, or they'll actually uh, take grinders and and grind it so that that way the concrete can connect to one another. And the other thing that they add is they add additives to the concrete, uh, polymer modified additives, um, uh, so that that way it gives it additional strength. Basically, there's fibers that are added to the uh, to the concrete so that that way it actually holds it all together and it doesn't have to be so thick in order to uh, so for it to not crack so as long as you do that actually you're fine and and you're doing um, naturally what some people don't do a lot of times they'll just close that area in and then not bring the floor level up and then all of a sudden later on they have moisture issues where water actually comes in from the outside or they have a step down issue and it looks like a remodel or an addition and so the best types of remodels and additions are ones that don't look like them so um, so bringing the level of the floor up is exactly what you need to do Okay, great. And one more question: with the, um, it had, like I was saying, it has a brick knee wall on the outside because mm-hmm. it's, it's a brick house, and they extended it. Um, would that level of the the low end, it'll cover some of the weep holes for the brick? Is that going to be an issue, or should I cut in some uh, weep holes on a higher level from there? Yeah, so you would want it to weep above the level where the new concrete is. Yep. Okay. Yeah, um, for sure. Because you do want the, you know, obviously when water goes in, it has to have the ability to get out. And so if it's below the floor level now, you absolutely would want to have new weep holes. So okay. now, now if it's completely closed in, are you closing it in where, now are the weep holes so that the water that gets inside the patio can get out? Is that what those weep holes are for? Um, that was just kind of how it was done. The The whole room has some solid windows, um, and it has a uh, a metal top on there. But um, they had kind of just added – it's a brick house, and they had added the knee wall and then enclosed the windows, but they didn't really – they just kept the existing slope of the sure. patio. Well, are you going to – so the whole outside, is it all going to be closed in, or is it currently all closed in? It currently already is. Okay, so uh, send me a photo of the weep holes. Let me look at it. If it's if the weep holes is because there's two reasons why you would have weep holes. One is is that um, if it, but this is solid solid brick, right? It's not wood frame with a brick veneer. Um, I think it might be. I mean, the house itself is a is a wood frame with with brick exterior. Okay, um, so there's two reasons why you would have weep holes. One is is so that if wind driven rain blows through the windows it, and gets into the patio, it can weep out the bottom. If that's the reason for them, then you don't need them again because it's all closed in. So, all right, thanks, Brian. I appreciate that, uh, uh, that uh, call. Number here, 340-1045. You're in the house. We are back. Welcome back in the house with Ken and Jared. My name is Jared Mellick, uh, owner of Universal Roof and Contracting. 
join you every Saturday morning to answer your home improvement questions. Uh, I'm a roofing contractor and a building contractor. And so uh, throughout the week, we help people with their roofing, siding, and window needs. And then every weekend, we come in and answer home improvement questions. Now, uh, I've been a general contractor for a long time. Uh, my dad built custom homes when I was growing up. I've been in construction my entire life. So any type of home improvement question is okay uh, with me. Uh, 340-1045 is the number to dial. All right, before the break, we were talking to Brian, and uh, um, uh, we were talking about closing in his uh, exterior patio, and he had talked about the wheat poles with brick. And so I just went uh, – didn't time that properly, and so I had to uh, run to break really quick uh, without answering the second part of that question. So the weep holes, uh, there's two reasons why you would have weep holes uh, with brick um, in that scenario. One of them is, is so that when driven, wind-driven rain blows into that patio, gets along the floor, it doesn't build up along that two-foot knee wall that he was talking about, so there would be drain holes there or weep holes so that that water can actually get out of that area. That only matters if it's open air. If it's, if no water gets in, in other words, if now it's closed in and air conditioned, then it does not need those weep holes. So therefore you would not need to, uh, add those weep holes, um, uh, to, to get the water out. Second reason why brick would have weep holes is that a lot of times if it's a uh, a brick veneer over the top of wood frame, there's what's called a secondary water barrier behind it, meaning that the brick by itself wouldn't be waterproof. The water would actually get behind, uh, and then there's some sort of un- uh, sheathing and underlayment system, and then the water uh, it has what's called a, or it has what's called a drainage plane, and then there's be weep holes down at the bottom to allow the water to go back out to the outside of the brick. If we're talking about that type of weep hole, then those would need to stay in place. So, uh, sorry, Brian, that I didn't, uh, uh wasn't able to finish that, uh, before the, uh, before the break. All right. Let's, uh, go to Russell on the West side. Uh, welcome to the show, Russell. How can I help you? Um, I just recently bought a house and I had, uh, three inspections done. Uh, one of which was by my homeowner's insurance for my wind mitigation discount. Yes. Um, what we found out, because no one could find any permits pulled on the roof, was that the previous owner had done patches, uh, repairs, so he wouldn't have to pull permits. But hmm. the whole roof was actually completed, but as repairs. Hmm. So I'm trying to find out if there's any way I can still get my wind mitigation discount. Because um, after the three inspections, everybody said, yeah, it looks great, but we can't prove it was done. Sure. Yeah, I mean, typically, um, typically no. Uh, so what the wind mitigation is going to look at is whether or not the roof was replaced uh, in compliance with the 2001 building code, which was enacted in March of 2002. So there were big changes in that time frame and how roofing was installed. And so there's kind of a, this line in the sand that says that if the roof was installed according to the 2001 building codes or later, then it would meet the, the requirements for you to have a discount on your homeowner's insurance. So most insurance companies are going to say, okay, the way that you prove that is through permitting, uh, is you have to go back and you look at the permit and, and, and if it was done after that time frame, then it meets it. If it was done before that time frame, then it wasn't. 
Now, some insurance companies will take what's called a roof condition inspection. So a roof condition inspection would have to be done by a, a certified roofing contractor. Uh, and actually, I think they will allow building contractors or general contractors now. But it, uh, but it has to be done by then, by them, and then that inspector would have to say that this roof meets all of the requirements of the 2001 building code or later. And then sometimes some insurance companies will accept that as as the proof that it does. But it would be. Um, uh, do you know when you think that that those repairs were made? Uh, the roof was completed in 2010. Yeah. But the, you know, like I said, the, all the inspectors said, yep, everything was done that needs to be done and it looks great. But because of the way it was done and no permits were pulled, um, the insurance companies aren't willing to give me the discount for the wind mitigation. Yeah, and I usually I usually find that to be the case. The only exception to that that I've that I've seen is that some of them, if you get specifically, it's called a roof condition inspection, and um, uh, then sometimes they will accept that as proof. Um, um, but you also have to find somebody that would say yes, it does meet all of these requirements. Um, uh, so, it, but it's called a roof condition inspection, and it would go along with the the wind mitigation. So. Yeah, I I actually had that done. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, then the answer is no. <laughs> Sorry, bud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I appreciate it. But in the roof condition inspection, there's they would have to specifically say, this meets 2001 building code or later. That's That's the terminology that would have to be stated in the roof condition inspection. So right. if and, it doesn't... And, and- yeah, that was there. The only thing was yeah. they said, okay, prove it. And without being able to get see that the permits were pulled, uh, they just outright denied it. Yeah, yeah. That is what I find more often than not. But I, but I have seen one or two scenarios where there's an insurance company who will accept the roof condition inspection in lieu of the permitting. So uh, I don't it remember. It just depends on the insurance company then. Correct. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, because it's an underwriting thing with the insurance company. So they're the ones that, I mean, yeah, they look at the roof condition or they look at the wind mitigation, but they're the ones that, you know, writes the policy. They're the one that reduce it or not, but just from an underwriting perspective for that company. It's not like it's a, um, you know, law that says they have to. It's just that some will and some won't. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Good luck with that, for sure. And that is a lesson, everyone, that uh, it's very important that when you have work done at your home, that if a permit is required, that you make sure that the contractor pulls a permit. Um, uh, and uh, so it's a it's a key element. I can tell you that I get questions all the time about how do we go back and prove something when a when a permit wasn't uh, wasn't pulled and there's usually no way to so um so if a permit is required you definitely need to make sure that either you or the contractor uh, gets a permit all right uh let's see let's go to uh werner in fruit cove werner how are you yes hello how are you um i live in bartram spring i purchased the house uh two years ago i had a home inspection done by a very reputable company and they missed a major issue. Uh, the side of my house has a short retaining wall, and I have pavers that were installed incorrectly. And uh, it was using my wooden fence to hold back the pavers. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition, the retaining wall was built over an old tree stump. So it has cost me uh, just about $5,000 to have some of the retaining wall rebuilt and raised and the pavers removed and, and replaced and, and a new fence, which was rotted out. And I'm just wondering, like, it, it's not really, I guess, sort of a legal question. Are they responsible for any of this? Because it's quite obvious that this is a, you know, it's a major thing. If I, if I sure. was aware, made aware of this when I purchased my house, it would have helped me out, uh, you know, during my closing. And now I see photographs in my inspection report that clearly show how how bad it really was. And sure. I'm not a contract. I'm a regular person. So I, that's sure. my question. Yeah, so I again, obviously I'm a contractor, not an attorney, but I'm going to tell right. you a few things based on my experience. But always, I'm definitely not trying to give legal advice, but but I'll right. give you my perspective. So okay. um so there's two there's two people really that um that may or may not be responsible, but then we can talk about the limit of their responsibility. So one of right. those would be the home inspector. What I typically find with home inspector contracts is that they are limited in liability by the cost of the inspection. So in other words, let's say that you pay right. $500 for the inspection. They're not responsible for $10,000 worth of work that needs to be done. They're, they're, they're lim- their liability is limited to whatever the cost of the inspection was. In other words, you paid them 500 so their limit in liability liability is 500. So that's one thing is that's usually the way that those contracts are are um uh are are made at least every one that I've ever seen. Uh so um so that's one thing. I do recommend that whenever you buy a, a home that some of the major things like home inspectors are great, but you're expecting one guy to be an expert in thousands of things like electrical, right. plumbing, roofing, window. You know, I mean, you're expecting one guy to know everything, and it's just not, it's just not the case. Usually that guy is, is really strong on one or two things and then weak on a, on a few other things. Now, some right. are better than others, but, but for sure, home inspectors aren't going to find everything. So that's, right. that's one thing. The second thing is, is that, is this a pre-existing condition that the uh, old homeowner uh, did not inform you of? Um, they have a responsibility to, if there are problems that they know about, to inform you of those problems. And so, um, uh, so even within the contract with the with the buyer, um, there are there are things that they have to let you know of. You know, was there ever? Did they know about a leak in this area? Did they know about a structural item over here? And they have to. In the disclosure section, they have to disclose all of those things to you. So if okay. there was if there was a problem that the pre-existing homeowner knew about and they didn't disclose that to you, then you have the ability to go back after them as well. So well, thank you very much for your advice. Uh, it's appreciated, and it's uh, you know looking at it now when uh, uh, the contractor came to repair it, it's it's so obvious to me once it was pointed out to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's actually uh, very bad. But thank you very much for your advice. Have a nice day. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Warner. Sorry you're going Bye-bye. through that. I know it. Uh, I hope the rest of the house is good, though. I hope uh, uh, at least it's outside and it's not inside. At least it's not a uh, inside issue that's going on. But I'm, I'm definitely sorry that you're going through that, and I and I hope that it uh, all works out for you. Number to dial with your home improvement questions, 340-1045. Again, 340-1045 to call with your home improvement questions. You can also email us a question, questions at universalroofjacks.com. Uh, do I have time to take one more before the break? Okay, let's go to Susan in Southside. Susan, how are you today? I'm good, and you? I'm doing really well, thank you. 
I uh, am fixing to put windows in my house, mm-hmm. and I was told by a painter um, that vinyl windows have a tendency to sag. And but my daughter lives in Texas, and that's all she's ever put in her house. So I just, you know, I don't know what to do about that. Sure. Um, so, I mean, if we look at window replacement, um, there's, you know, there's different types of windows, right? So there's uh, there's going to be aluminum windows. There's going to be vinyl windows. Uh, there's going to be wood-clad windows. Um, and they're each going to have advantages and disadvantages. And so um, uh, one of the problems with vinyl uh, windows initially uh, when they first came out is that they didn't do as good of a job making sure that the vinyl uh, was uh, was solid and reinforced properly. And so, um, uh, so there is no doubt that when vinyl windows first came out, they had a number of sagging issues. Uh, but I think that for the most part, with good quality vinyl windows, I think that for the most part, that has been solved. Um, and so, uh, if, if with window replacement, you're going to find that most of the time, window replacement is going to be done with uh, with vinyl windows. If there's you know, if if there's, let's say, 100 uh, window replacements, 95 of them are going to be with vinyl. It's just it's a it's a very big number for window replacement. So um, and, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with vinyl. The only thing that I like better than vinyl replacement windows is there's a composite material uh, made by Anderson uh, that's um, called Fibrex. I think that's better than vinyl. But I would I personally would choose vinyl over aluminum uh, for window replacement. Yeah, what's in there now is. Uh uh, vinyl windows and I mean not vinyl metal windows and uh, when I bought the house I don't know where he got the windows at but man I'm telling you the screens don't even fit in six of the windows at all Yeah. so that was my question and I have one other question if you don't mind sure do you mind I, I have to take a quick break here but would you mind just holding on through the break and I can answer it afterwards Yes, sir. Great. Thank you so much. Hold on one second, Susan. All right. If you want to call us with your home improvement question, last chance for this week, 340-1045. We're going to take a quick break. Come right back. You are in the house with Ken and Jared. Welcome back. Final segment this week's In the House with Ken and Jared, 340-1045, number to dial. If you want to call my office, uh, the number is 647-3907, universalroofjacks.com. All right. uh, Let's go back to Susan. Uh, thanks for holding on, Susan. What uh, What's the second question that you have for me? I had a concrete, uh, I had a patio poured about three years ago, and it's a uh, uh, 19 by 22 patio, mm-hmm. and one half of it has got a crack in it. Hmm. Uh, what, what can be done about that? Um, what is it? It does. Is it covered or is it just open air? And what do you use it for? It's open air. Yeah. And then, what do you use it for? Just, uh, just a patio. Okay. So, um, so yeah, uh, the easiest way. So there's a number of different things that you can do. Uh, Quickcrete makes a uh, a patching compound uh, that is good for cracks like that. 
Um, is it separated to the point as one section like sunk down, or is it just a crack that goes through it? It's just a crack that goes through a part okay. of it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, quickcrete's patching compound is, is probably the best thing for that. Really, the reason why you want to patch it is that you don't want water to get in the crack, erode underneath of it, and then cause it to get worse. So, um, if you just go to, uh, actually quickcrete.com, uh, and, um, they, they even have, uh, uh, YouTube videos on how to install it. So that's, that's going to be the best thing. Uh, and it's available at most home improvement stores, but Quickcrete, uh, is a patching compound is probably the best. Well, so could I make a Florida room out of that or no? Um, possibly. It, did they add any, um, uh, did they thicken the edge, uh, to be able to, to take, uh, along the outer edge so that you can build walls on top of it? Or did they do a, um, uh, any sort of rebar in it to, to make it stronger? Or did they just pour a four inch concrete? They just poured a four inch concrete. Okay. So you'll probably, yeah, so you may have to cut out, uh, the corners, uh, and add rebar and add additional concrete as, cause that's what's gonna take the weight of whatever structure you put over the top of it. So, it's, gonna be it's, a, it's just gonna be an aluminum structure. Okay, so over aluminum, yeah, most likely you can. But okay. w- your contractor would, would be able to look at the thickness and tell you whether or not it, it, it would work. Thanks, okay. Susan. Sorry, sorry to cut you off so fast. I've got, I've got one other caller that I wanna try to get to. Alright, Brian, welcome to the show. How can I help you today? Hey, uh, hey, hello. Thanks for letting me in the house. Oh, no problem. Hey, I have a question about vinyl siding versus hardy board. Sure. Um, with the polymers that are used um, with the manufacturing of vinyl siding, is that less efficient than um, hardy board? In in regards to what? What do you mean? Are you ta- are we talking energy? No, I'm I'm talking about deterioration because uh, oh. with the Florida sun and everything, um, I'm contemplating either using hardy board or vinyl siding. Sure. On, on my home. Yeah, I mean, I I I install both. So at the end of the day, it, it doesn't really hurt my feelings which one. I personally, my house, I would use hardy over vinyl for a few different reasons. One is is that the hardy is a really a solid material. It's a cement fiber, so it's it's stronger. It's solid. I've it's seen so many. Say it again. It's more durable. Well, yes. I mean, if we if we take the yes and no, so. Um, the outside surface of, of Hardy in general, if you get just the prime version, then you have to repaint it, you know, every eight to ten years. With vinyl, you don't, because it's the same color all the way through. So if we, if we look just at that element, then I would say the, then the vinyl is, is better. Now Hardy does have though their color plus version, which I think evens the playing field in that regard. So that's the only area where I think vinyl is better. Every other area, when we come to, when we look at, you know, the vinyl will fade over time. If we get any sort of wind whatsoever, I've seen so much vinyl blow off in the process. I've seen vinyl melt from the reflection of the, of windows from next door. I've seen, you know, all kinds of stuff. You can't paint vinyl, whereas Hardy, you can. So there's, I think that the, the good of Hardy outweigh the good of vinyl personally. 
But I would recommend that you get a quote for both and then make a decision on it. So, all right, thanks to everyone today for listening. Show's called In the House every Saturday from 9 to 10. Uh, my business, Universal Roofing Contracting, 3, 647-3907. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. See you.